0: Welcome to the HSD Podcast Series. I'm your host today, Laura Franco, Vice President, Director of Post-Acute Regulatory Strategy. Today, I'm joined by Jennifer Lamb, RN, MBA, and Mock Surveyor for Life Care Services. And we're continuing our ongoing dialogue about the new FTag numbering system and the regulations contained in each one of the potential substandard of care f Our overall goal is to help you understand each of these FTEGs fully, especially now that the surveyors are using them in the survey process. Today, we're going to be talking about FTEG 679, activities that meet the interests and the needs of each resident. Welcome back, Jennifer. Thanks, Laura. I'm glad to be back and
1: ready to share some more information about uh, F679 for our community so they can be ready for the state survey.
0: Wonderful. Let's do a quick little bit of housekeeping. And could you tell our listeners what they can expect from this series of podcasts that we've been conducting? Absolutely. Um, So what we've been doing
1: is covering one F tag per podcast, and we continue to do so. Um, And what we're doing is we're going through the 49 tags identified as substandard quality of care. Now, you already know, I'm sure, but uh, CMS defines Substandard quality of care as having more than one deficiency related to participation requirements under resident behavior and facility practices, quality of life, and quality of care that constitute either immediate jeopardy to resident health and safety, a pattern of or widespread actual harm that is not immediate jeopardy, or a widespread potential for more than minimal harm but less than immediate jeopardy with no actual harm. And as usual, we use the state operations manual that went into effect November 28th, 2017. It's the brand new one. And the, this is the exact same copy that the surveyors are using. So this is your best tool. It's uh, advised to download it, follow along. And in that way, you get the most complete information as you follow along with our podcast.
0: You know, Jennifer, whenever I go into any of our um, our health centers. I always see the big activities calendar on the wall. And I, there are always um, a myriad of activities going on, some individualized and some group. Um, there's often music, there's games, there's exercise. I've seen Bible studies, um, I've seen outings on the schedule and groups going on those outings. Um, and I think that's really, really important for quality of life absolutely i agree with you um
1: you know sometimes when i go to the visit the communities i like to drop in and kind of interact with the residents and see what's going on and you know that it, it's it's kind of enhanced my life. I, I go to their activities and I get to see zoo animals and and all kinds of different things. So, I I use that as an excuse. I get to go in and and hang out with them. So I, I'm I'm having a good time too, Laura.
0: <laughs> so makes your makes your job just a little bit more fun.
1: <laughs> it does. It does the engagement and. And, and the smiles on their faces is just amazing to see. They, they they enjoy themselves enormously.
0: Well, I can't tell you the number of different types of uh, card games I've learned to play from residents um, while they've been <laughs> engaging in card games. So so I'm right there with you. Um, now, now, with F679, uh, um, it didn't really change except that the tag number changed. The tag number before was F248. And I think um, they explained that the intent and the guidance in the section, it included a little bit more about addressing different cultures. So it wasn't really about the activities. It was how we're going to accommodate different cultures of the population. So let's let's really look at the definition then, um, just to get us started here.
1: Okay. Well, S679, as defined in the Psalms, says, The facility must provide, based on the comprehensive assessment and care plan and the preferences of each resident, an ongoing program to support residents in their choice of activities, both facility-sponsored group and individual activities, and independent activities designed to meet the interests of and support the physical, mental, and psychosocial well-being of each resident, encouraging both independence and interaction in the community. The key is individual is individuality. So what might be fun for me might not be fun for you, Um, but the facility has to take into consideration those individual interests of the residents.
0: And the intent of this regulation is to ensure that our communities are implementing an ongoing resident centered activities program. The program has to be implemented um, at resident needs. Um, It has to take into account those resident needs, the hobbies, and those cultural preferences. This is key to meeting, maintaining, and improving a resident's physical, mental, and psychosocial well-being and their independence. So our facilities have to create opportunities for each resident to have a meaningful life by supporting the resident's wellness. And there are a few key words That have been added to this new tag. Um, One that we're seeing again, which is that resident-centered, another one is meaningful, and then the third is ongoing, which are all really important um, words. So the activities must be for the resident and not for something that is just what the activity staff thinks they'd like to do, but rather really takes into account the desires of the resident. The activities program should be ongoing and not just something that is done sporadically. And the residents have needs, um, on the weekends. So it's just the same as the weekends as on the weekdays. And I think that's really important. And I think we've come a long way in the industry wide of looking at ongoing, not just weekdays, but weekends too. Um, and also, also taking into effect those evenings, Jennifer, um, I'm not an evening person, but my daughter's an evening person. So activity levels are different. Um, So, you know, there should always be something available to meet the needs of our residents. And finally, that word meaningful. Um, Television 24-7, I don't think would fit meaningful. Um, Meaningful means the activity is enjoyable and helps a person feel useful and provides a sense of belonging. Am I right on that one?
1: Yeah, Laura, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, there might be that one person that thinks, you know, television 24-7 might be, but all in all, it, it's not. It has to do something that helps the person feel useful and gives that sense of belonging like you mentioned. Um, I've been to a few of our communities where some of the residents actually make dolls or wooden toys and these are actually um, made and then given to children. Maybe they're in hospitals or, or they're sick. And so not only do the residents have an activity doing something that they enjoy, but they know that their work is going to go on and provide someone who needs a little extra lift in life um, a a nice gift. So to me, that is is what meaningful means.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. And, you know, I once, like many, many, many years ago, um, you know, had had someone ask me if the activities of daily living uh, constitute as an activity. So what would be your guidance in that one, Jennifer? (laughs) Well, typically routine ADLs are not activities. Um,
1: Now, while they are certainly important and a resident may feel a sense of accomplishment in completing those tasks independently, there needs to be more than that. Um, Activities need to promote self-esteem, pleasure, comfort, education, creativity, and give them a sense of success and independence. Um, now, there are some ADL activities that can be used as an activity. Um, for instance, uh, doing mani-pedis or hairstyling or makeovers. I know that's very popular with the ladies and even some gentlemen. They they really like it when they see that there's going to be a mani-pedi day and they get to go receive those uh Hand and arm massages and and get pampered a little bit. So I'm I'm seeing more and more gentlemen participating in that. So it's it's become very popular.
0: You know, you know, I've asked before about residents um, who have de- who have dementia. Um, so I'm going to ask it again in this instance. How should the staff approach activities with our residents who have dementia or a dementia related diagnosis?
1: Well, our staff does an amazing job engaging our residents with dementia. Um, this is not an easy task, really. It's not easy to deal with residents who have dementia because at times it can be challenging. And and you're not really sure sometimes maybe what to do. But when a resident with dementia is not engaged, um, they get depressed, restlessness and agitation can occur with them. Um, oftentimes when I'm looking at charts of residents with dementia, and if I see a PRN medication that's for depression, restlessness, or agitation, Sometimes I wonder if that may stem from boredom, if those behaviors happen because they get bored. I will say this, our staff is incredible at engaging residents who are showing signs of restlessness and agitation and helping them alleviate those behaviors by sitting and talking with them, um, playing cards, painting their nails, or doing any other activity that moves the focus from being upset to something that's more pleasurable. And so when our staff do, do those things, you know, our PRN medications actually drop down. We don't, we're not utilizing those. And, and that right there is, you know, that falls into your unnecessary meds. And so we're doing a good job of moving away from giving, you know, a pharmaceutical when really all it is is just giving some attention and alleviating some boredom
0: you know it kind of um if if the staff understand what the resident did in their life before they moved to the community sort of their vocation um or their you know their anything that they did it helps to know what that resident likes and what they might Um, what they might adapt to. And that really goes hand in hand with our heartfelt connections um, culture of working with folks with dementia and really getting to know who that person was prior to that diagnosis, prior to that move in, so that we can continue to work through those areas to either avoid boredom, behaviors, and really enhance their quality of life. I agree with you. And I'm glad you brought up heartfelt connections,
1: because I got to tell you, you know, when I first got exposed to that, I was very impressed and impressed to the point that I wanted to take the train the trainer course, because I wanted to know more about it and wanted to speak intelligently to it. And I will say that when I came away, what I took away from that was a whole other way of looking at residents with dementia and how to interact with them. And, you know, in, in that presentation, I, you know, I learned that, you do look at a person's prior vocations to understand who they are and what they're doing. Cause a lot of behaviors really are behaviors. They're going through the motions of what they did in their previous in, in, their, not their previous life, but in their life, before they became, before they came to the, um, to the community is what I'm trying to say. So like, for instance, we had a gentleman that kept going from room to room and they thought, well, he's just wandering. No, he wasn't. He was delivering mail cause that's what he did in his life before he came to the community
0: good, point. So, good point. anyway
1: yeah yeah so you know our staff they know and love the residents and they provide care for and do a wonderful job of implementing what the resident enjoyed doing before they they came to the community and um so now if a, a resident is already escalated and is in distress though you know our staff does also need to be aware of that that trying to get a resident involved in an activity after they've already escalated may actually cause more harm. It may actually further distress them. So it's important that our staff knows, you know, when it's a good idea to approach and when it's not. They they need to um, gauge that appropriateness.
0: Well, and I have to go back to the psalm again, Jennifer, because the psalm has some great examples of activities for our residents who exhibit different kinds of behaviors. Um, And and just to mention some of those, um, for instance, a resident who walks without purpose or is exit-seeking, the staff should provide a space that encourages physical exercise and reduces stimulation. stimulation, um, like an area where a resident can manipulate objects, they can have a relaxing ambient light or sound, even aromatherapy, or just sitting down and having a one-on-one conversation.
1: Yes. Um, and then also the saw mentions uh, for residents who go through other residents' belongings, because I know sometimes that can be an issue. What the staff can do is they can engage them in life-normalizing activities, like stacking canned goods onto shelves or folding laundry or sorting socks or organizing items. You know, we have one community, and, and I'm sorry that the name escapes me because I do go to a lot of them, but they had dresser drawers set up, like in the common areas. And, and so residents who kind of do go through other people's belongings, they can go through those drawers and find things like neckties or even maybe jewelry, like necklaces and things like that, or scarves. And they can rearrange them so they can get into those doors and and, and that takes care of whatever need they're having at that moment to, to do that life normalizing.
0: Well, then there's also a resident who might be withdrawn. And in the psalm, they say, you know, that the staff can provide in-room volunteer visits or music, um, engage the resident in providing an oral history of their background to make a book for them and their family, invite the resident to an outdoor activity or to a committee meeting. And we should really be making the effort to bring the resident out in that case to really enhance herself of well-being.
1: I agree. And then for that resident who excessively seeks attention, they're not so much withdrawn, but they're, they're always seeking that attention, you know, staff could encourage them to join group committees and even run for leadership in those committees and also um, provide a chance for them to work on a service project as well.
0: You know, and I think, uh, again, these are great examples, and they're examples that are in the psalm. So sometimes the psalm is um, pretty, you know, cut and dry, but it's nice that it's also providing some examples and guidance for different types of situations. Um, You know, what I've seen in our communities is... Uh, we've, we've done a really, really good job in engaging residents and offering meaningful activities to our residents and really working and talking to the residents and asking the residents what their preference is and engaging on that resident-centered care.
1: Yeah, I agree, Laura. You know, sometimes I wish I could spend an extra day or two just enjoying all the activities that are offered to our residents because uh, they sure do seem to enjoy the the time and And when I interview our residents and ask about activities, they have nothing but great things to say about what's offered to
0: them. So before we close, is there anything else our listeners should know about um, the activity regulation and this FTAG?
1: Well, I tell you what, if I could offer a piece of advice, it would be that, you know, the big activity calendars that are posted and then also provided to the residents there really, if there isn't, there really should be a note that informs the residents and their families that one-on-one activities are available outside of the posted activity times. Because we're really great about, you know, filling up the day sometimes with activities. and But those activity times may say from 11 to 3. You know, the, the activity starts at 10 or 11 and ends at 3 or 4. That's not really a complete representation of all the activities available to the residents. So a surveyor may say, you know, well, what do the residents do before 11 or after three or on the weekends? So I think it's a very good idea to have like a roving activity cart. And I've seen it in some of our communities, but it's a a cart that they basically have it chock full of activities that you can do one on one that maybe a CNA or an activity person or a family member or anybody um, can access and then have some good quality time with the residents. Um, Another thing is that make sure those calendars are up to date and and are appropriate because the last thing you want is to have, you know, Merry Christmas, you know, a Christmas uh, calendar posted and it's in the middle of July. So <laughs> it's really imperative to make sure that
0: those old ones come off the wall and you get a new one up. <laughs> no Christmas in July unless it was purposeful, right? <laughs> so, so well, Jennifer, I want to thank you again for a great conversation. Um, and I hope our listeners found our discussion today on 679 to be beneficial and that, uh, that you all will continue to join us as we explore each of the 49 sub standard quality of care F-Tags. And I want to thank you again, Jennifer, and I am looking forward to yet another conversation on our next F-Tag. I'm looking forward to it too, Laura. Thank you for having me again. Um, Next
1: time when we get together, we're going to talk about F-680, and that's the qualifications of activity
0: personnel. And that will
1: actually wrap up the quality of life regulations group.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much again. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And that's all for today. Legal disclaimer, Life Care Services, LLC, is not engaged in rendering legal advice. Therefore, any information provided in this podcast, although intended to be correct, is also not intended to replace or supersede the advice of your legal counsel. Also, thank you to Ben Sounds for the music provided in this podcast.